This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. Here's I got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. presidential centers dating back a century is calling for a recommitment to the country's bedrock principles in a joint statement. The coalition said Americans should respect diverse beliefs, noting that debate and disagreement are central to democracy. It reads in part, quote, our elected officials must lead by example and govern effectively in ways that deliver for the American people. This in turn will help to restore trust in public service. The rest of us must engage in civil dialogue, respect democratic institutions and rights, uphold safe, secure and accessible elections and contribute to local, state or national improvement. The coalition does not name any elected officials, but there appear to be there a subtle rebuke of Donald Trump who is accused of trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. The statement was signed by every presidential organization from Herbert Hoover's to Barack Obama's. Only the Eisenhower Foundation is missing in this. So definitely a firm statement about the strength of democracy, Joe. Yeah, John Meacham, um, there, there, there's been some complaining. Uh, you've heard some uh, some people I know, and I have too, wondering where some of these presidents are, with some of these former presidents coming out, speaking forcefully against uh, Trumpism, against what happened on January the 6th and the threats of democracy moving forward. This is a step in that direction, isn't it? It is. And, you know, most of these the president presidential libraries where the presidents are still around, you know, where the principle is still there uh, are different than the ones, obviously, that are, are legacy operations. What's remarkable about this is you have a. I wouldn't even call it bipartisan. I'd call it suprapartisan, a suprapartisan uh, statement that says, yes, democracy strong. I think more interesting is what why they had to do it. Mm. It's that democracy is weak. It's resilient, but it is under siege. And these are the scholars, the foundation executives uh, and the presidents themselves who understand the inherent fragility of these institutions. And I think that uh, it's it says a great deal. Uh, you know, if you do what I do for a living, you know, you go back and you you look at 
what was being said at a given time, you know, looking at the front page of the newspapers to see what the other stories were. The fact that 13 former presidential institutions had to say, hey, democracy is important, pay attention to it, tells you a great deal about yeah. where we are on this uh, early autumn morning. Okay, um, let's bring in Dave Brandt. By the way, it is uh, Saturday, 9 September in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, welcome to our Saturday show. We're going to kind of be on fire today at a different. I was going to try to do the eighth anniversary of 1943, the bloodiest year in mankind's history. We're going to have to do that at a later time, hopefully next Saturday. I'll talk a little bit about it today because there's so much. Some, not just news, but also things that we have to get the war room posse and back up. Remember when they say against Trumpism, when Mika and them are there with their knitted brow, that means against you. That's against the populist movement. Dave Brett, help me out here. Why, why is the Uniparty showing that they're a Uniparty coming out and, and trying to browbeat the Trump movement, sir? Yeah, the Uniparty and their uh, quasi-historians, Meacham and Beschloss and these guys come up and they say, we look back at all the great theorists or whatever. Any great theorist would never say we're defending democracy. Since Socrates, no great moral or political theorist has mentioned democracy. We are a constitutional republic. Uh, and then they go on and they, they add words about we need to be more decent, more kind, more humane. There's a need for compassion, tolerance and pluralism. Uh, none of the architects of democracy or of a constitutional republic used any of that language. The key language they all used for a thousand years was the absolute essential element uh, for a republic to remain. And that is the virtue of its citizens. And so to have these folks come on board and just take pot shots using history and democracy, which is one of the things the founders all got together to protect us from, which is mob rule and mass rule, and to throw that at, you know, implicitly at the populace, et cetera. The populace are the one group who have retained the essence of the republic. Uh, all these folks talk about uh, being, being, uh, compassionate, tolerant, pluralistic. You, you want to know the one group they're not tolerant of? The Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, if you're so tolerant, can we have a discussion of Christianity and its virtues on CNN? I'm asking a question. Uh, can we discuss uh, Christianity and its key virtues uh, in the public square, in our public schools? We can discuss everything else right now in the public schools, right, uh, up to the absurd and the grotesque uh, is being allowed underneath this tolerance. But you cannot discuss the chief attribute necessary for the maintenance of our republic. And this is, you know, John Adams, Ben Franklin. Uh, the lady famously asked him, uh, you have a republic? Uh, he says, yes, if you can keep it. Everybody knows that. How do you keep it? Uh, everybody knows the. The, the, the foremost problem with a pure democracy is the running of the passions. What controls that? Moral discipline and the virtues. This has been the longest standing debate, and it's just stunning to see presidential historians and, and the likes ducking it. It's because they don't want to have to get down to the meat and potatoes. And, you know, surely, uh, you know, Obama, who went to Harvard and Bush, uh, knows better than to use this, uh, this modernist uh, lingo in place of the of the basics. Uh, and, you know, President Pence came out and uh, was doing some similar stuff. And of course, the New York Times 
and the AP and, uh, and, and CNN covered all that because it's a pot shot at the one group of populists. I, I, the populist thing wasn't even in vogue when I ran, but I've had no issue. And I was in the Republican conference with the conservatives, supposedly Republicans, who ran us into this ditch with 50 trillion in debt. Our major trading partner is a totalitarian uh, uh, communist surveillance state. We have a wide open border such that the mayor of New York City says that his city, uh, one of the grandest cities in history, New York City, is under siege and is being destroyed. Uh, the conservatives allowed that to happen. So the populists do share. And Pence quoted, you know, Burke and, and, and Russell Kirk, who I, I love. Uh, but all, they said the exact thing I've been saying. The essence of the republic is virtue. And that virtue, of course, in their minds, all the great conservatives comes straight out of the Judeo-Christian tradition and animates the spirit of our country. Uh, I have not seen that spirit moving. Uh, it, it, it's ossified. It's like a rock buildup in the Republican conference. They've run us into this ditch and the Freedom Caucus, those are the folks who have the animating spirit that is, is uh, following the lead and listening to their constituents, but then leading in principle the way a republic is supposed to be ordered. We have an ordered freedom, and uh, I could go on on the conservative principles, but that's the, that's the basic response to that piece. It's, it's way off course. Well, we talk about it in a fourth turning. It's the institutions that come yep. into question, and they have to be. there has to be a cleansing. There has to be a purging because they ossify. You used that word at the beginning. Why are all the presidential libraries are the repositories of the thinking of these great men. Why would why would all the libraries come together? And obviously they're going after Trump and Trumpism, particularly now with the 14th Amendment fight to try to get him off ballots funded by conservatives uh, about the lawfare, which is all, you know, Kemp and, and, and having their backs. Uh, you see the Ken Paxton uh, impeachment down in Texas. Why did these institutions come together do they see do they see populism as a existential threat to them? Yeah, of course, the great men are gone right now. We're being run by a bunch of, you know, Harvard, East Coast elitists, West Coast elitist uh, folks that pay attention to the donors who fund the libraries. Right. So it's just like all the foundations that fund academic research. Uh, if you want to stay in business, if you want to keep your funding base, you better say the right thing to the donors. And that's what the conservative party has been doing. I used to sit in that room, right, with 220 conservatives. And anyone that's on a major committee or even a minor committee and that gets $10 million for their election, I got zero uh, from the party, has to toe the line. And of course, you know, we've discussed the major issues, but all of it is subsumed underneath the budget, right, the $7 trillion budget. I ran on what was called the Virginia Republican Creed. It, it was a conservative statement. Uh, I had no problem with it. Uh, the, 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 the free enterprise system, equal rights and justice, fiscal responsibility, of course, is the nugget, right? That's why the Republican Party has been ossified. It knows it has to go along with the donor's wishes. That's why McCarthy okayed a $7 trillion budget uh, and so there's nothing wrong uh, with the Virginia Republican creed other than the fact that no Republicans follow it. Right. There is no fiscal responsibility. 
these are the virtues required, right? When you talk about virtue, you cannot spend more than you have by two trillion a year for the next 10 years. That is not a virtue. And so the Republican leadership and most of the members, I hate to say, there's plenty of exceptions in the Freedom Caucus and, and beyond, but most of them are not being virtuous in their actions. They'll all use the right lingo. Uh, they'll act like they're virtuous. Uh, they'll act like they're full of piety and spout the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, but when it comes time to representing the people honestly and in good faith and looking out for the best interests of this country, how in the world was, can someone with good beliefs and virtues uh, allow our chief trading partner, uh, who we built up to remain a totalitarian surveillance state, our IT uh, billionaire class, right? The big seven firms in the U.S. are worth more than all European firms combined, helped to write the code that enslaves the Chinese uh, Uyghurs and beyond in the Chinese system. How in the world can a virtuous people allow that to happen? And so these presidential uh, libraries didn't say much about the virtues that are required to run a republic. They just gave the new trendy stuff. We all got to get along. Uh, we got to be humane. Okay, Please define humane. Aristotle had a different answer than John Stuart Mill, who had a different answer than Hume, who had a different answer than Immanuel Kant, who all had different answers from the Buddhist tradition and the Muslim tradition and the Judeo-Christian tradition. So to say words like we need to be humane is to say nothing, which, of course, is what these presidential libraries said in that statement. It's a bunch of mishmash. They have effectively said nothing. And it's up to responsible voices to come forward and really show what it means. And of course, the Judeo-Christian system set up this entire establishment that does protect the right of the individuals. I went to Princeton Seminary. We gave the university back to secular uh, ownership voluntarily. Same with Harvard, Yale, and all the rest of them. And said the only requirement is you got to follow like Aristotelian ethics or something like that. Right? Aristotle was pretty good on the basic virtues. And they failed to do that. They went postmodern, and now there's no absolute truth, no absolute ethics. Uh, and that's where we stand right now. And these presidential libraries should know much better. Uh, uh, Dave, I know you got to bounce, but I just want to take a quick break. I just have one question to ask you when we come yeah. back about Tuesday night. The House is coming back. McCarthy's going to talk, uh, uh, is going to give the plan. Right. Between now and the end of the fiscal year, the next three weeks, you've been in those rooms before. And I want you to share your knowledge. Short commercial break. Dave Brett, Julie Kelly, Alex DeGrasse, Caroline Rent, Mike Davis. Hitters only here on a Saturday morning in the war room. Back in a moment. I am the last person on earth to nag you about your diet. I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable and field of greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, 
and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Now let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy, you'll look better, you'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. Do it today. Action, action, action. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Dave, thanks. I know you get a bounce. Just Tuesday, he's coming back. He's going to address the conference. We've heard from all the insiders that he's going to lay out his strategy on both impeachment, uh, the appropriations process, everything. He's going to start making the case for the CR. Uh, you've been in those rooms before. Tell me how he's going to pitch it, and, and where do you think we really stand in combating this? Uh, unless, unless the grassroots just speak out with a unified voice uh, very loudly over the next few days, there'll be a shiny object. We'll be the, the complexities will be, you know, you, you guys got to go along with us. You can't if we don't do this, you can't believe, uh, you know, what we're going to bear in the press. The press will come after us. Uh, and then all of these other objectives we're trying to seek, you know, with impeachment and immigration and the border, all of that will be lost. Well, all of that is happening because we funded the federal government at $7 trillion, which has allowed us to have a, 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 a national intelligence service that's run amok with Russiagate for three years. 51 of our you know, highest intelligence officers were in on a fraud. Uh, the Justice Department has a two-tiered uh, system of justice uh, right now, and it, it, it appears, and all the political views are just my own, uh, to be going after only one side of the ledger and not following the other side's sins whatsoever. And so all of these have been brought about because we've allowed the size and scope of the federal government to, to, be, to grow out of control. And so it doesn't matter what they say. When we have a COVID economy at $7 trillion, and every responsible person thought it would for sure go back down to $5 trillion, uh, but the ratchet doesn't go down ever, right? When you jack up your car, it's up there, and we're keeping it at $7 trillion in the face of all irrationality and deficits that go on forever. So they're going to they're gonna come up with some scare tactics, threaten everybody, let them know you better play team ball here. You're going to lose your money. You won't get reelected. We won't give you the $10 million. Uh, your committee assignments will be in, in, in jeopardy uh, and so on. One by one by one, they'll pick them off. And, you know, some patriots will stand firm and say, I, I can no longer bear this because I am trying to live out the virtues uh, that will make this republic last the test of time. And so God bless them. Pray for the leaders who will take that stand. Pray for all of the leaders. Pray for the Democrats. Pray for our president. Those are instructions from God uh, that always do give us some hope uh, that something could change uh, because God's providential hand, I think, is still behind us, even though we are gradually turning away from that, that wonderful hand. Dave, Brad, how do we get you on social media, all the great uh, charts and everything you put up on the on the manifestation of this uh, spiritual war in the economic realm? Where do people go? 
Yep. Just uh, come visit uh, Liberty University. Uh, got some friends coming in right now. I'm going to run off and join them in the cafeteria. And then uh, Brat Economics on Getter. And then, uh, of course, share Rumble and these hits with everybody. Uh, just great way to uh, to to find uh, Brad Economics and uh, and cover the highlights uh, with the War Room and Oxford Don Steve Bannon, who uh, covers the news like no one else can. Thank you very much. You Been caught a lot of things. Never in Oxford, Don, but I'll take it, brother. Thank you so much, Dave Brad. Thank you for sticking around. I want to make sure. Um, because here's what's going to happen. Brett's buried a little bit, buried the lead in, in what he was talking about. Part of it in that. Remember, he said, I got no money. The when he ran for reelection, they cut Dave Brett out and literally gave him this is the Republican apparatus in the House, gave him zero dollars where they're always pumping in, you know, millions of dollars into these uh, seats of the guys they want to keep. Um, and Brett had to do it on his own. Why? He stood up to him, and particularly about fiscal responsibility, because he kept saying, this is a moral question. We're, we're, we're literally not just impacting people that are living today in this country, but we're having this impact on future generations, and that we owe it to them to take hard stands now, and they didn't want to hear it. Remember, the reason we're here where we are is the complicity of the Republican Party and going along with it. I'm going to have Julie Kelly on in, in a few minutes. And Julie Kelly has essentially turned herself into a court reporter to cover like nobody else uh, January 6th. And we're going to pull the camera back a little bit because Julie is, is always down in the details. She's always bringing the receipts. We're going to pull the camera back and, and really talk about how people have comported themselves, particularly people that are coming after this populist movement, because right now they see that the establishment sees more than the Tea Party, more than anything's ever happened. The Ross Perot, the Pat Buchanan, they see the Trump movement and the populist nationalist direction of the Trump movement as an existential threat. Now, here's what we keep saying. And of course, you know, over this weekend, I'll be putting up together. There are tons of articles coming out now. Uh, Axios just had one uh, that came out yesterday and I've put it up. About, oh, everybody's so surprised that the deficit doubled. It's two trillion dollars, not a trillion dollars. And as I told um, as I told people, um, the um, we called this from the beginning why we could do the math. We knew the impact that inflation was going to have higher interest rates was going to have in the economy. One of the reasons that the number is so large, there's a three hundred billion dollar miss in tax revenues both at the corporate level, the personal level, but particularly the capital gains level. And we said your, your tax revenues are too aggressive. The way you've projected it is too aggressive, way too aggressive. Now they're going to have to live with that. In the meeting on Tuesday, what they're going to talk about is, is ways to fool you, to ways to, to, for, them, to, for them to go back and lie to their constituents and say, we just need, all we need is another 30 days. I just need 30 days. I just need a CR. We just need to get 30 days into this. I just need more time to pass these appropriations. Here's the problem. There's no real cuts. It's all performative. We had Richard Stern on here. Richard Stern told you it was the total cuts they're talking about. Real cuts. I mean, differences in previous years. And they've told you that historic, we have done historic cuts. You have to support us because these are historic cuts. It's $12 billion. 
this is not sustainable. All they talk about is the Green New Deal and the sustainability of, you know, the you got to build a sustainable energy foundation. You have to have a sustainable economy. This is 10x more important than that. Because without this, everything else collapses. And you go back to pre-civilization. This is this is where we stand now. This is this is one of the most important inflection points uh, in this time in history. This this show is built around empowering you. This show is built around uh, giving you access to information that allows you to use your agency in a direction that assists you, your family, your community, and your country, and therefore the world. Remember, the United States has a robust economy. If the United States is on the cutting edge of productivity and the creation of value and therefore the creation of wealth, and that wealth is fairly distributed or spread, we are in the sunlit uplands. Yep. Go back to 2019. Was the world perfect? The world was not perfect. President Trump was being assaulted by all sides on the, the remember they began the Russia hoax. That's when we started the show in what October, September, October of 2019, because of the impeachment. We called it first, said, "Hey, Nancy Pelosi is going to impeach him." People were saying, "No, no, no, Steve, that's all fake news." I go, "No, show impeaching by." I said the time Thanksgiving. I missed it a couple of weeks. It was by Christmas. The show impeaching, but the sunlit uplands was the the economy. That's what they realized they had to do something. Because he would have won in a landslide given where the economy was in 2019. The CCP understood that too. Hence, that's why you saw the bioweapon we call COVID-19, of which now she's back again. And they're going through the same iterations they did uh, before of, of the shutdowns and all that. So it is vital that you are armed for the onslaught that's going to come on you. What the first thing is going to come on is that you're irresponsible, you're a domestic terrorist, you're a white nationalist, you are uh, dangerous people. And one of the reasons you're dangerous, one of the reasons you're dangerous is because you're, you're anti-government and you want the government to be burned down, you want the government to be shut down, you want to cut it off of their, of their oxygen, which is the Federal Reserve printing money. And that's one of the principal reasons they hate you. It's your principles and values, obviously, but how it manifests itself in this political fight where you're sitting there going, no, 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 no. We're not going to play this game anymore. You're not going to enrich the wealthy. You're not going to enrich the defense contractors in the pharmaceutical industry. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it while you're shredding the Constitution, while you've turned the DOJ and the FBI against working class people, while you have them going to uh, abortion centers to where the uh, where the traditional Catholics are on the knees praying the rosary outside and rouse them up with the FBI. You're not going to we're not going to do it while you have the Justice Department totally weaponized against Trump, President Trump as the leader of this movement. It's not going to happen. We demand a stop and we demand a stop now. And you're not going to have our votes. And by the way, for congressmen that say no, if McCarthy goes around it and goes to Hakeem Jeffries again, like he did on the debt ceiling and gets 70 or 80 votes, then it's time to get rid of you. It's time for a motion to vacate. If you can't do it, you can't convince the conference to do it. If you always need, you know, dozens and dozens of Democratic votes to keep your uh, your term, your speakership alive, then it's time that that's not alive. Because you have failed in every aspect of it. And one of the biggest failures, one of the biggest failures of these gutless cowards is to address the railhead of the problem. What is the railhead of the problem? In this 
democracy in this constitutional republic, the railhead of the problem gets back to the events of 3 November of 2020, what led up to it and what manifested itself at that time, and then how it played through all the way to January 6th. Now, the best person in the world that understands that better than anybody is Julie Kelly, and she's going to join us on the other side. We will be back in the war room on a Saturday in just a moment. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it, because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today, get the benefits of the sale. The Republican voters face a choice. In this state and in every state around the nation, as these primaries unfold, And I believe that choice will determine the fate of our party and the course of our nation for years to come. So today, I ask my fellow Republicans this. In the days to come, will we be the party of conservatism? Or will we follow the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles? The future of this movement and this party belongs to one or the other, not both. That's because the fundamental divide between these two factions is unbridgeable. History teaches that societies with more freedom and less government flourish. That's why we have a brilliant system of checks and balances, divisions of authority, co-equal branches of government, enshrined in our Constitution and sovereign state governments under our system of federalism. Conservatives understand that in order to advance an agenda on behalf of the American people, we must work through the system. The political home, 
of those who believe in limited government and individual liberty, who keep faith with our Constitution, is the Republican Party. Christian Furry. I think my question is, you know, the inflection point you talk about this moment for the party, you know, you look at even our most recent polling in terms of uh, the issues itself. You know, your consistency on conservatism, I think, is unquestioned whether you agree or disagree with where you are ideologically. But in terms of who would be the best candidate to handle the economy? Trump is at 69 percent. Immigration, 65 percent. Ukraine, 63 percent. Government overreach, 59 percent. Um, isn't this war over and your side lost? Well, I want to bring in Julie Kelly. Uh, Julie, first off, be, I want to just get some administrative stuff out of the way. Given that at American Greatness, the other sites you've put up for the last couple of years, you know, to, going back, I don't know, almost three years now, um, and, 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 and people like Revolver and others have taken some of the hard work you've done and done an amazing job of analyzing and contextualizing. We've had many people do that. But you've really been at the tip of the spear of being into the details of what's going on on January 6th. Has Mike Pence ever reached out to you uh, to, to talk to you about any article that you've ever written? Or has Mike Pence or anyone on his team contacted you to be briefed on your encyclopedic knowledge of, of what is going on here, ma'am? Uh, no, he has not. And I just want to make one correction. I did leave American Greatness a few months ago, so all my work can be found at my substack, Declassified with Julie Kelly. That's where I'm reporting now. Um, but no, Mike Pence, uh, no presidential campaign has reached out to me to get more information about, you know, anything. Uh, what's happening with January 6th, the corrupt weaponized, uh, retaliatory, vengeful, soulless, cruel Department of Justice and the FBI. Um, I, I mean, I hear these words come out of Mike Pence's mouth. I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, he is right. Maybe he is right. There is no place for conservatism and populism in the same Republican Party. But guess what? One person who allegedly represents conservatism is running about two, three percent in the polls. And the other uh, candidate who represents populism and MAGA and making America great again, trying to restore our country, uh, is way ahead of the field. But I'll tell you what, to hear him listen that we have to operate through these institutions, through this system, just indicates to me he he doesn't know what's going on in this system. I mean, the idea that we have to operate. But that's all, uh, that's all, but, but hang, hang on. That, that, that's that's yeah, that's what I want to ask you. He sits there and makes this theoretical case. And quite frankly, Rebecca, a Sunnybrook farm kind of sixth grade civics in that unctuous voice. Right. Is he living in the same era that we're living in, Julie? T tell me about that, because you see it. Every, you're up close on it every day like no one in this country is. Tell me, is he? dealing with what's happening in this country right now? He's not at all. So the question is, and we talked about this the other day, what role is he playing? Um, you know, why is he trying to convince Americans that this system, this government system, regardless of what it is, Department of Justice, National Security Apparatus, even the military, uh, any system related to the federal government is working Look at, and that extends beyond Washington. Look at what's happening in Fulton County. We just learned yesterday that the Fulton County Grand Jury voted to indict people like David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler and Lindsey Graham 
For what? For talking about potential voting fraud in the state of Georgia? I mean, every institution has been hijacked by the left and these bloodthirsty Democrats. Where does Mike Pence think he thinks we need to work with that system instead of smash it to bits and rebuild it to the extent that we can? Um, So I, I don't know what role he's playing, but he's hard to listen to. And, you know, dating back to January 6, 2021, his account of that day, as I said, runs totally contrary to what his top aides said. He strung people along intentionally, Steve, until one o'clock that day when the joint session was scheduled to begin. That is when he released his letter stating he would not do anything about the handling of the electoral uh, votes that day. He knew he was not going to do anything, but he intentionally waited till the last minute so he could... What he actually did was fuel a lot of anger in the crowd. I've seen defendants. Um, This has been used as evidence against them, posts and videos that they made after finding out that Pence at the very last minute uh, would not do go along with the so-called Eastman plan. So, um, you know, but there is a part of the Republican Party that believes sort of what what Mike Pence is saying, not the base but certainly Republican leaders, which is why we see so much silence related to uh, what's happening with the January 6th defendants. And you have someone like Colorado Representative Ken Buck uh, produce this just fact-free, for the most part, letter uh, in response to his own voters' concerns about the treatment of January 6th defendants. So, um, you know, these people are not our allies. They are cover-up artists, and they're certainly playing on the other side of the team, not on our side. So you believe that after seeing uh, the Mike Pence and going through what he wrote in his book versus you're, you're the one person who's gone through all the testimony, uh, you mm-hmm. believe that they're actually on the other side. They're, they can't be any clearer. They're, they're either putting up smoke screens. They're trying to cover for it. They're gaslighting us however you want to say it, but they're not our allies. Is that your is that your theory of the case? Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, there are still a lot of open ended questions about Mike Pence's role on January 6th. We have not seen his communications for that day. Um, His whereabouts is still very sketchy. And I've seen this over and over in trials that they could not specifically locate or they could not disclose where Mike Pence was. They said he was in an underground garage somewhere on Capitol grounds. Well, where did he go? And I'll tell you why that's important, because the basis of thousands of charges of being in restricted grounds that day for these defendants was that Mike Pence was there. And because he was under Secret Service protection as a Secret Service protectee, the grounds in the building were off limits. They also said that about Kamala Harris, by the way, until a year later, we found out DOJ was lying and that she actually was at the DNC headquarters. When the pipe bomb was found, we still have no explanation as to why Kamala Harris left the Capitol that day and went to DNC headquarters, how her Secret Service detail missed this explosive device. But furthermore, a lot of um, questions about Mike Pence's role before and certainly on that day. How? Why was he communicating with Nancy Pelosi and not the president? Why was he communicating with Capitol Police Chief at the time, Steve Sund? I mean, where are his records? Where was he? How much did he know in advance about what might potentially happen that day? I'll tell you a big lie that Mike Pence told. 
a discrepancy between his book and the account of Mark Short and Greg Jacob, his general counsel. Mark Short said that he drove to the Capitol from the VP residence uh, to the Capitol uh, late that morning on January 6th. Mike Pence said he went with his family in the vehicle. Mark Short said no, they were in a separate vehicle. Why would Mike Pence not tell the truth about that? Why would he say he was with the family and he wrote this dramatic thing, you know, saw all these protesters and they were going to be so disappointed. But he, according to his own top aide, he they weren't even in the car with him. So, as I said, there's something very sinister about him, but also something very sketchy and shady about his involvement in the events of January 6th. Talk to me about this delay, because you've sat through all the trials that triggered a lot, if not everything, about it wasn't President Trump. It was the action of Mike Pence. Walk, walk me through in his book. How does he describe uh, not telling anybody? Well, he has a few different excuses as to why there was a delay for this memo that he finally released, as I said, around one o'clock. One of them is that he was still gathering information. His account of the morning of January 6th is that he went to his computer. He typed out this memo. There had been a couple of drafts, but he made it sound like he was making the drafts, not Mark Short and uh, Greg Jacob and another aide, which seems to be the truth, according to their sworn testimony to the January 6th selection committee. He he wakes up, he says a prayer, you know, he thinks about his oath of office. He starts rewriting or writing this memo. He wrote it on his own. He made it sound like he said his top aides short and Jacob got to the VP residence uh, about 1050 that morning. They both testified they were there at 830 in the morning, that they were collaborating on this memo, that they were working on someone's laptop on it. Mike Pence said he was working at his desktop. And then get this. He said he printed it out, went to see if he saved the file on his computer. He hadn't. So his daughter had to rewrite it in the computer based on the printed document. Neither Greg, uh, Mark Short nor Greg Jacob said that at all. So what's with this weird story that it wasn't saved when obviously he had his top aides there that morning as they were finalizing it? Then he said the reason it was late was because they wanted, out of respect for Donald Trump, get this, they wanted to wait until his speech at the Ellipse was over before they released the letter. Now, as we know, Donald Trump took the stage much later than originally scheduled. He didn't finish speaking at the Ellipse until about 1.10. So then Mike Pence said, well, we were running up against the clock because the joint session started at 1. So we released this letter, emailed it to you know all the House members and members of the Senate, then made it publicly available. So you had all these people at the Ellipse. Trump is still speaking right before Mike Pence, who was in charge of the joint session, he releases this memo after teasing people for days. You'll recall that he might do something. Oh, and the biggest one, Steve, Mike, Donald Trump called Mike Pence at about 930 on January 6th. Uh, his aides were there. Mike Pence said he went to take the phone call. It lasted about 15 or 20 minutes. I believe Mark Short said that. Um, did he tell the president at the 930 call, by the way, I'm working on this memo and uh, I'm not going to go along with this plan? There's no indication yep. that he did because Trump called yep. him back at about 1130. And that's when he told him. Again, very sketchy conduct yep. by Mike Pence. 
No, and they never. Uh, by the way, can you just hold through a quick break? Take a quick break. Also, never, uh, never ran the letter, which is one of the most important legal documents out there. Never ran it past, and Jacobs never ran past the White House counsel. Jacobs is the counsel to the uh, to the vice president. Never ran it by the White House counsel. Never gave it a draft form. Never showed it to anybody in draft. According to the book and according to their testimony, never showed it to anybody in draft form. A document that important. He's just typing it up that morning. Can you get any more irresponsible than that? Mr. Responsibility. Mr. Unctious. Short commercial break. Julie Kelly on the other side. I will tell you who the unsung heroes of the COVID pandemic are. Of course, the frontline workers. But what about those business owners who hung in there and paid their employees? If you stayed open and paid your people, you could be eligible for up to $26,000 per employee at covidtaxrelief.org. That's $26,000 per employee. Now, this is not a loan. These are government funds that were set aside under President Trump, and you don't have to pay it back. Now, all types of business, including nonprofits and churches, can be eligible. But you need to apply now because Congress may pull these funds. Now, it's very specific about W-2s and what you had had to do to pay your employees. And that's why you need to go to the people at COVIDTaxRelief.com. They know all the technical aspects of this. Now, COVIDTaxRelief.org has helped, just in the war room, almost 1,400 businesses or not-for-profits, just like yours, and secured for our folks over $142 million of returns. Now, unlike the other operations out there that do this, COVIDTaxRelief.org, they charge nothing, zero up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash that you get. Let me repeat, nothing up front. They do all the work and then share a percentage of money that you were to receive. You did the tough thing for your employees during one of the toughest times in this country's history. Now let covidtaxrelief.org help you get up to 26 grand per employee. Visit covidtaxrelief.org. That's covidtaxrelief.org. Do it today. Use your agency. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Julie, just if you just take a minute or two and, and tell people in your own words the system that we're really up against. Uh, Mike Pence gives you this kind of Rebecca at Sunnybrook Farm sixth grade civics lesson. What's the reality of what we're dealing with, ma'am, as you see it? The reality is that you have a Department of Justice that is twisting and misrepresenting and uh, weaponizing statutes such as obstruction of an official proceeding uh, to turn political protesters into convicted felons. That is the 1512 C2 count. You also have them twisting ancient statutes like seditious conspiracy, which no American has been convicted of before January 6th. This is a charge that is usually uh, applied to real terrorists like the blind shake. Um, so they're now weaponizing that statute as well. Then you turn to how they are adding prison time, these excessive harsh sentences that, for example, we just saw in the Proud Boys case. But we've also seen this for more than two years. Uh, I what other in what other jurisdiction is someone who allegedly sprays a keychain pepper spray at a police officer 
denied release, held in solitary confinement basically for a year and a half before you torment a plea deal out of this man. And he's then sentenced to 82 months in prison on top of that. It just, there's no comparison between what's happening in these January 6th cases and anything else. So you've got excessive sentences, the weaponization of statutes. You've got judges who are putting their long-term, their permanent imprimatur on the weaponization of these statutes and also the use of the terror enhancement at sentencing. What happened last week is Judge Tim Kelly, as we talked about, made shaking a metal fence a federal act of terrorism. That is the terrorism uh, sentencing enhancement. He applied for five members of the Proud Boys, including Enrique Tario, who was in Baltimore. He wasn't even there on January 6th. Nonetheless, he's now sentenced to 22 years in prison. Um, but aside from how the system is operating, how the system is corrupt, how the system is compromised, the people who are running it, what has always struck me the most, Steve, is the cruelty of these line prosecutors and these judges. I've referred to them as sadistic. They are gratified by inflicting pain on people, Trump supporters. Keep in mind, most of these January 6th defendants have no money. They have no criminal record. They don't know how the justice system works or certainly how it works in Washington, D.C. They are completely blindsided by how they've been treated as domestic terrorists, even for low-level petty offenses like parading in the Capitol. So um, what I, how I see these line prosecutors and these judges operate, I think that is what upsets me, infuriates me, and, and saddens me the most, because the human beings who are behind this are really uh, the villains here. And look, it's not stopping. I mean, we just saw last week the raid of the man from uh, Oklahoma and the, the blowback to Liberty Safe for turning over that information to the FBI. That's been happening for two more than two and a half years. Big tech airlines, banking institutions, Amazon, you name it. They're working hand in glove with the FBI to produce records of their own customers to help the FBI track down J6 trespassers and ruin their lives. We are now seeing new arrests almost every single day. Matthew Graves, the D.C. U.S. attorney, has promised to more than double the current caseload, which is now over 1,100 individuals. Uh, so this is not stopping. So this is the system that not just J6ers are facing, but all of us eventually. Uh, and Mike Pence, to be the gutless coward he is, that really triggered most of this, not to have any interest and to come out with this unctuous uh, you know, time for choosing. Here's a time for choosing. Mike Pence is a gutless coward. He's going into the dustbin of history at 1% in the presidential primary. Julie Kelly, how do people get to your Substack, stack, ma'am? Thanks for having me on, Steve. It's declassified with Julie Kelly. Um, so I'm posting a ton of breaking news about January 6th and DOJ and the Trump cases as well. And then I'm on social media, Twitter, X, Julie underscore Kelly to Truth Social at Julie underscore Kelly. Julie, uh, fight on. Tremendous work, tremendous reporting, and um, look forward to having you back. Thanks. I mean, that's one of the things that really upset me when I heard Pence's speech. It's not his version of conservatism is one of the reasons we got here, because it wasn't backed up with any force, any moral force. They didn't really believe it. And that's why they continued to roll over time and time and time and time again. 
because they won't stand in the breach and fight. And the people like the Julie Kellys of the world uh, will. And this is, and Trump will. This is why they hate Trump. And they realize that populism and Trump's, uh, the Trump movement is ascendant. Okay. Um, we've got a huge week coming. We're going to turn, we're going to pivot. We got Alex DeRest and Caroline Rend are going to give us some inside baseball on both the Senate, what's happening there. Alex is going to talk about this really, this tremendous fight that's now going to go in the courts about the redistricting of the House of Representatives. You, the Warren Posse, were at the tip of the spear in making sure this went our way back over the last year and a half. And guess what? They've all gone to court, seeing what happened in 2022 to reverse that. And we've got a massive fight on our hands. And so we're going to get into that next. And so you can understand the details of it understand throughout every state what's happening. And Alex DeGrasse is going to be here to do it. Uh, Tuesday night, like I said, McCarthy's having this meeting. We need everybody at the ramparts. One of the reasons we need you at the ramparts is to understand the politics of money. If you want to do that, go to birchgold.com right now, slash Bannon, and get the end of the dollar empire. Yes, the end of King Dollar brought on to you by the elites in the United States of America. You have to understand it, particularly the third segment. I've got into the debt trap. I'm putting out a fourth segment. We've been at this for a couple of years now. Uh, it's the reason that you folks not only have a seat at the table, but you're head of the creditors committee. They're going to try and come and run every deal in the world past you to try to get around you in the next couple of weeks. You've got to be just hunkered down. And uh, make sure you're an immovable force. So we're going to take a short commercial break. We're going to be back for the second hour of the war room. Uh, What I can promise you is it's going to be intense because we're going to talk about the fight to take the the House of Representatives with no voting. Talk about anti-democratic. That's what you're really up against is the anti-democratic forces that are coming after the populist movement. Short commercial break. We're going to be back in the war room in just a moment. Just beginning But the games you want to play Bring it on and I will fight to the end Just watch and see It's all started Everything's begun And you are over Cause we're taking down the CCP Spread the word all through Hong Kong We will fight till they're all gone We rejoice when there's no more Let's take down the For War Room Veterans, you know, we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of this show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. 
You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.